0: Welcome to another edition of Splitting Hairs with Max and Nikki. As usual, I'm Max, and I'm Nikki, and together we're Max and Nikki. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the last two episodes of Twin Peaks, The Return. Um... What did we think we, about it? did we we like it? Like, do we like it? How do we interpret it? it? And I think the reason, we're going to take a whole episode to talk about it because there's a lot to talk there's about. There's a lot to talk about. Um, we don't actually, normally do this, and I know we usually like to talk about, you know, more general topics, but uh, this kind of was very thought provo- provoking. thought-provoking. Thought-provoking um, series in general. Right. But before we do that, Station Business, bum ba Station uh, business. We've got a couple shows coming up. One is uh, coming up next week, actually. It's on Thursday, September 14th, uh, 2017. And it is our band, Little Person. We're playing at uh, Lantern Hall in Brooklyn, New York. In uh, what about, East Williamsburg, I believe. Um, and we are playing with our friend Joshua Cook. Not together, but on the same bill, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a fun bill. Joshua Cook and the Key of Now. Yes, in the Key of Now. Um, and, you know, if you're listeners, if you're regular listeners and you live in New York, uh, you better get your butts down to that show because it'll be our last show for at least a month uh, as little person because we're going to be going back into the studio and recording some new songs. And we'll be focusing our attention on that for uh, for a little bit. Um, but we won't be going away for too long. Um, That's not to say if we get booked for another show, we may just do that. Yeah, I mean, if somebody asks us to be on but a show. But this is the show, this is, uh, uh, we don't have any shows planned uh, in the near future other than this one coming yes, up. As little person. As little person. Um, uh, however, so you, we you do you have you an, want a chance to see us live, you know, in the next... Month or so. I mean, you better come see this as a little person. But as Max and Nikki, we have our first ever and our inaugural show for our brand new monthly monthly comedy and music show show entitled Vintage Basement with Max and Nikki. Uh, This will be happening every third Monday of the month Uh, starting September 18th. This you know that's in a week and a half. It's a week and a half. It's going to be at nine PM, and we've got a, a great, a stellar lineup. A we got stellar rock star T. lineup: TJ Miller, TJ Miller, Aparna Nanchala, Joe, Joe Firestone, Firestone and, and Matt, Matt Ruby. Ruby. All uh, very talented comics, and, and um, we have. You can get your tickets now. You better get them before we sell out. They're uh, available at. You could just go to uh, and and Nikki Nikki. Dot com slash vintage-basement. Vintage basement. Or you could even just go to maxandnicky.com and you and can there's find a the link. Picture, there's a picture on the front page. You just click on that, and it'll direct you to where to get the tickets and stuff. Um, or you could visit horsetrade.info, and, but it might be a little bit harder for you to find in that way. So, yeah, just visit com, and you'll figure it out from there. Again, the show is called Vintage Basement with Max and Nicky. It's going to be a comedy and music show. Right. Lots of comedy, a little bit of music in our sort of classic neo-retro style. Um, it's $7 online, and it is $10 at the door, so I recommend getting it online. Mm-hmm, Especially mm-hmm. since it will probably sell out, and you don't want to take the chance of not being able not to get being able great show. Anyway, anyway um, I guess some, there's no more Game of Thrones There's to no more Game of Thrones to discuss. However, the final two episodes of Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks the, occur, return. the Return, occurred on Sunday, and we'd like to discuss because they were quite thought-provoking, I will say. In fact, we're still talking about it uh, now because, as is the case with a lot of David Lynch's works, they are... They call for a lot of discussion, and they are thought provoking. And right. I think that's the best thing about David Lynch's uh, work. His art is that um, it, it's so open at interpretation that you enjoy it. If you have a critical mind or an analytical mind, you like you enjoy uh, you know picking it apart and trying to figure out what he's trying to say in all it and all of it. And you right. know, it, it was a very vague dream uh, dreamlike sequence at the end of this series. You know, it seems like David Lynch is really quite intrigued and maybe obsessed with dreams. Well, and yeah, interpretations s- of dreams, and actually, maybe not just dreams, but sort of like the uh, the gray area between dream and reality. Actually, he likes to um, he likes the he likes blur the, blur the, lines. the lines, blur the lines um, uh, between dream and, and reality. In fact, you know, you you see that not just in Twin Peaks, but in a lot of David Lynch's works, uh, especially like Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive, and Inland Empire, where you don't know when some sequences are supposed to be a dream or when they're supposed to be reality. Um, Twin Peaks is, especially this latest version, is like really, uh, you know... That's like definitely a, a a factor in this is like dreams. And I mean, I have actually a lot to say about this. I'm not going to say everything, but, you know, we've been talking a lot about it with our older brother and um, David Lynch. He's actually very influenced by Frederico Fellini, uh, the director of eight and a half. Is that what Harko you looked Shivita. up? No, it's, well, I know that according to his own testimony, Fellini is a big influence on him. That's what I'm saying. And, and uh, to me... i found that it, out to, by looking it up. No, no, I mean, I didn't look up that... Uh, I, I looked up that he has stated that Fellini is an influence That's what on I'm him. saying. Yes. But I am personally making this own statement that that is very evident in his work, especially Twin Peaks, because... If you watch Eight and a Half and La Dolce Vita, they have long dream sequence, dream dream like sequences, including the beginning and end of Eight and a Half. The end is, I don't know if the end's quite of a dream sequence, to be honest. That well, you don't know if it is or not. That's I, the whole point. That's that's no, I I never thought of it as being a dream sequence. Actually, the beginning I did, but the end is more like of Eight and a Half. Yeah, the end is more like. He's actually not blurring the line between dream and reality. He's trying to blur the line between the cinema, the reality of the cinema, and the actual reality of... of Okay, say, but the reality real of the cinema is fantasy, in a way. So I know, but, but I don't dr- think it's... a dr- he, he actually... I think Fellini's own testimony <laughs> is that he actually couldn't think of an ending, and he's actually taking from real life and decided that he's just going to end it the way he did it in that film, basically. I, I can't if I remember correctly. and He did it in such a way where it was just like, okay, I'm going to just kind of end it this way. You know, if okay, you see the film, you'll you know what uh, I'm talking about. Well, a- anyway, the point is he's got a lot of dreamlike like sequences, that. including the end of La Dolce Vita, which is very dreamlike. It's... It, he has these open-ended... I don't know uh, if it's it, a... Dr- Max... I, I never thought of it as the end as being dreamlike, though. Of La Dolce Vita? Yeah, he just ends up on the beach, right? Or something like that? No, but there's... A, I, can't, I think there was this child there, too, right? It's... it's. I know, but I never thought of that as being dreamlike, though. I just thought of that as being sort of maybe sim, symbolistic or... That, symbolic. Symbol, right, symbolic. Symbolic. Gosh, uh, symbolistic. I just couldn't God, remember the word for a second. Uh symbolic or you know, it 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 was open to interpretation. Max, but I never thought of it as being dreamlike. You're not though. saying that he doesn't have dreamlike sequences. Uh, he does. In fact, in the middle of eight and a half, this whole uh fantasy with world the, where at with the, the women the, the fountain you with, mean? With all the women. No, in, in eight and a half. Oh, in eight and a half. With all these women like and no, it, I'm not saying. I'm not the sa- point is. The, I'm not arguing the, that, that he the, doesn't use dream stuff, sequences and stuff. But uh, what I'm saying, you're saying, is, yeah, okay, is but that I disagree that those ends uh, are no, necessarily I, I dreamlike. No, I disagree with you. I do think they're dreamlike. They're, I don't think they're so. dreamlike in a they're they're dreamlike in a way that it it gives off a sense of uh, what is exactly going on here. You know, it's like. You're not exactly sure what's going on, you know. I know, but that is that's a, what's dreamlike about it. Like even the end of eight and a half, I do think, even though you're not saying it's dreamlike, I think it's dreamlike in the sense that it is like what is going on here. It's like there's a it's like a circus at, at the end almost. Like what is this? You know, what does it mean really? You well, know, I think it's in, just, in, the, in much the same way a dream uh, proposes an idea of of trying to interpret one's own life and give it meaning that is what the end of these Fellini movies do uh, yeah but and I, that's I think the end, the end of-, of eight and a half is more like the circus of his life going on at the time you think that no but it is I think he actually was saying that before like, I think he said that before where he he was actually he he couldn't figure out an ending to the film and he decided to kind of just depict his life, actually, as it because it shows him actually at the end too, right? I know, but correct, there's it, there's a it, lot, and it, it was it, he uh, couldn't quite think of an ending, and I think it was just a circus of in his life actually. Okay, you'll was just have, kind of okay, okay, you'll agree with this that there's a maybe, lot of there's yeah, a lot I'm of imagery wrong. in maybe the I'm end wrong, that it, there's a lot of imagery in the end, and it's kind of like, oh, what are these individual things mean? You know, it's I like, know, but I don't think of him I, when you say dream like that that connotes something that's a little maybe eerier or something no it doesn't why does a dream have to be eerie it, it, that's that's where i think that you're, you're uh, misinterpreting it i think lynch's way of inter- uh, or presenting a dream is different from fellini's way okay but nonetheless he's still influenced i know by but in the way that i don't he's he's i don't there, it doesn't give off the impression of being a dream though there's a to sp- me it totally does no you kidding? for instance okay you're saying that if you have a film that just has some sort of, you know, maybe montage of shots that don't create some sort of narrative that are that is a sound narrative, you're gonna just automatically automatically think, oh, it's dreamlike. That's what you're telling me. No, it, like exactly, for example, what it, in La La Land, uh, the montage sequence at the end that is somewhat dreamlike. It's a it's a fantasy sequence, you know. Right. Well, that's sort of daydream-like. Sure, but it's still like my whole point is David Lynch is taking cues from Fellini, and it's very the influence is very strong. Right, but and that I- that his he's putting out things that are left open to her interpretation. That that depending on the viewer can be interpreted in multiple ways. I know, but where I'm disagreeing with you is that just because something can be left open to interpretation and it isn't quite evident in in terms of what how it's supposed I, to be interpreted, I, you're, I don't necessarily disagreeing. you You're disagreeing, think, you're disagreeing I, in a way— Let me finish just, what I'm saying. It's because I know what you're what saying. What saying. Can you let me finish what— My thought, at least, God, I'm just trying to say is your argument right now is that when something— That's not my argument. What, what I'm trying to say is I'm disagreeing with you in eight and a half in that just because— The images at the end are left open to interpretation. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's dreamlike. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying if something's left open to interpret. Like the end of Lost in Translation, that doesn't mean it's not dreamlike. Even though we're like not sure what she's saying at the end. I know that's not what I'm saying. I know, but you're you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. You're misunderstanding what I'm What I'm what I'm saying. Is that. Or, or like the end of Blade Runner. We don't know exactly what the end is, you know, is... Well, that is, could be a dream, actually. Okay. That, is, but, that could be... I can, I can grasp somebody thinking that's, that's more of a but dream, too. that's not what I mean. What I mean is... The particular images that he used, the imagery connotes to me a, a, a dreamlike no, sequence in a way. It's no, it's it's no, not basically it's not, that, saying, it's not that it's left it's not just that it's left open interpretation. Even though that is what a dream would do, it, it's also the way he presents the ending. You know, the way the way it's done, the way it, it's produced is is dreamlike. You know, and that's. That's a subjective thing, you know? It's, not, I know, it's but not objective. I. That's why I'm saying I don't think the way it's presented... If I remember, I ha- haven't seen this in years, actually, so... But the way I remember it was, yes, it had all this circus of things going on, but I didn't think it was necessarily dreamlike per se. I thought it was these different things that were not necessarily relatable you know uh i just ostensibly, i don't i, guess, I just don't understand how you can I think not that think it was dreamlike it, it totally is it's like all these things start happening like that would not happen in reality like it just it it, it, it just wouldn't it wouldn't happen in reality this, this i just whole, this whole sequence would would not happen in real life in according to the real life of an actual director it it the no, th- it, it, the way you're saying it... But it could be like something that happened like at the end of the... He just decided... Like, in my head, it could be like, oh, this this circus of things just started happening or something. I mean, I don't necessarily think that is how a dream like... I don't know. There's something that... that uh, when I think of a dream and somebody is inter- showing me a dream, like something that they perceive as a dream, I think of something... There's, there's a certain... That's you know, just your aesthetic of what it. a dream is. That's your aesthetic of what a dream is. You're what you're I don't like that you're disagreeing with me and saying I'm wrong to, to no. feel this way. That's what that's the way I feel. No, like you're, you're I'm saying. not saying that you're wrong. I'm saying you're saying yes, it's for sure a dream. That's what you're no, saying to me. I, I'm saying that it to me it is very dreamlike and I know, but you're you're saying I'm wrong, though. That's the thing. You're saying I'm I'm wrong. You're wrong to believe that it's not. You know that it's concretely not. I'm not saying that. That's I'm not saying that. That's what it seemed like to me. I'm not saying saying I'm saying you're wrong in saying that. It is necessarily a dream. Like it's necessarily dreamlike. Okay. And I'm saying, well, it's not necessarily dreamlike. I mean, I can interpret it differently. Actually. You can't. Okay, so Twin Peaks is not necessarily dreamlike. No, you know? but that is straight up dreamlike, for no, sure. It doesn't, no, it doesn't have to be. You know, like one could argue that it's not a dream, actually. You know? One one could argue that uh, uh I know, but it's I'm not saying it's dream, it's dreamlike though. Okay, but in much the same way, I feel that eight and a half. A lot of the sequences in that are dreamlike. Wait, but you remember all the sequences in Eight and a Half. I do. I looked these up actually. Okay. Th- for instance, there's a difference recently. between there's a difference between the beginning of Eight and a Half and the end. Like the beginning actually see, has the, more the reason of a- why you're saying the beginning of Eight and a Half is more dreamlike is because things uh, happen in that that cannot exist in reality that are that cannot and. Will not ever exist in reality, like these people. Uh, what is it like? People floating or something like that, right? Right, and there's like, like smoke and whatever that that can't actually happen in reality. That's why you're saying it's dream Exactly, but but I feel like things it can much just, happen in, in much the same way peep, in peep, Twin Peaks. Yeah, but in much the same Twin Peaks. That's, there's a lot of stuff that can't happen in reality. Dreams, you know but what I your mean? dreams don't necessarily dreams can be very much based on reality. And in dreams, your dreams are not always fantastical seeming. Like your dream, sometimes dreams, they seem so real to you. Until I, you wake up, you I, realize, oh, too bad that wasn't real. I, even though what it happened in your dream could be real. I get what you're saying, but what I'm trying to say is when, when I'm given art, like in film, especially, you know, there's so much film out there that it's there's a lot of times it's not intended to even seem dreamlike and yet there's a lot of symbolism in the film or even just art well, in general, in theater and it's just maybe experimental or something like that and I kind of think of that end of Eight and a Half as just sort of just an experimental like scene or something like that well, I don't actually, think of it necessarily as dreamlike necessarily, well, actually, necessarily personally I don't think of it uh, that uh, but you cannot can you not understand that the the influence of Fellini is strong on David Lynch? I can. Um, okay, that's all I'm saying. And actually... What are you looking at right now? Look, because I wrote a long email just uh, like a half an hour before this about what we're talking about here. And I just want to look at exactly what I said. Um, but, you know, I, I want to say, like, even Brent, our, our older brother, says... Well, a lot of people feel that film in general is basically uh, the director's or the writer's dreams on screen. You know that that's what film is. You know, I mean, okay, that, the, you can Brent, make that Brent an says, argument about. There's that for always anything, there's always actually, been a comparison. Art, there's always been a comparison of film and dreams in dre- general. You know, like well, but, you could say that about any art. Actually, I I, I don't okay, understand that exactly, but. But that's I'm i just but okay whatever but I mean, but that's what I'm saying like I don't know anyway the point is the influence of Fellini is strong on on David Lynch and to me even though the director may have his own interpretation of things the way he presents things can be left open in interpretation and depending on the viewer will the the interpretation will vary. You know, e- even though a director has a certain intention, um, with the way Fellini presented things, and with the way, Dave, especially with the way David Lynch presents things, it's like anybody could have their own interpretation even though we can all try to figure out as best we can what Lynch is trying to say in it. Oh, by the and, way, I just want to say I'm, I'm not quite, I, it's been a while since I looked up why Fellini decided to end it like that and I I think I remember it that he just couldn't figure out an ending and dis, and th- I also I think he was trying to represent somehow the, like his own personal problems in the end or some, something like and this was kind of a way to resolve it somehow or, I can't quite remember, but look it anyway, up yourselves. So this last episode of of Twin Peaks, um, you know, obviously dreams are really big in in this Twin Peaks because they mention it a lot in this in the series. Oh, even like, in the in the second penultimate episode, he says, we hear kind of a well, voiceover of Kyle McLaughlin say. Dream is inside my head, or something well, like that. Okay. Well, something. you know, Gordon Cole, played by David Lynch, he says that he has a dream. He had a, a dream where um, Monica Bellucci, the actress, appears in in the dream, and she's talking to Gordon Cole and says, she tells her, "We are like the dreamer who dreams and lives inside the dream, but who is the dreamer?" So, after much thinking about it, in this question is basically at the crux of the whole meaning of Twin Peaks and I I'm viewing now the dreamer as David Lynch the director but David Lynch director lives inside the dream his own dream as Gordon Cole the character the FBI director and so in his own dream he's somebody else do you get it? And that's why at the end of that scene, Monica Bellucci points, she points behind David Lynch or or Gordon Cole and says, you know, and he turns around and he sees a scene of Fire Walk With Me from Fire Walk With Me, the the film, the Twin Peaks film Fire Walk With Me, that shows a younger Gordon Cole. And I think that basically she's showing Gordon Cole slash David Lynch that David Lynch has been having this recurring dream for 25 years. And Lynch is showing us, the audience, that he's been dreaming, creating this world of Twin Peaks for 25 years. And he's showing that his dreams are his art and films. That's what he's always been putting on screen, are his dreams. Oh, interesting. That's the way I'm interpreting it. Well, it's also an interesting thing to think... By the way, just- Jacob Siroff, he says he likes what I'm, I, I said, and he said that there's ev- there's some support to it, actually. Sure, but, okay, what I want to, I'm just going to say within the context of the the actual series, though, um, it, you know, as, as our older brother pointed out, actually, uh, in the email chain that you're reading from, um, Nikki is, um, you know, we remember, th- in, in the same way, like, uh, they use different footage of David Bowie in this Twin Peaks version of Twin Peaks, or this new Twin Peaks series, and he's saying something different than what is shown in Fire Walk with Me. It's kind of like in dreams that we remember, or we as people actually remember things differently. It's just kind of part of his perception, too. We remember things differently than they actually happen. And especially if we dream them, sometimes we dream things and we think they actually happened and they actually just happen differently. Uh, and or they may not even have happened at all, actually. And we might have a recurring dream that we think it's recurring, but it's actually different from what it happened the last time. It's it, interesting you, know, you say that because that is sort of relates to the last two episodes in a big way. In that, yeah, I totally. I, that's that, what I wanted well, to try to get into. This, the pen, at the end of the penultimate episode, uh, right. Kama Glocklin is exactly. taking is yeah. taking Laura Palmer away from the scene, you know, so she doesn't get raped, and right. she. Um, Disappears out of his hands, and but she screams, you know, right. And then the beginning of the, the last, last episode, episode they, they re-show show that, it. yeah. But then something different happens after that. It's almost as if. Uh, and they. Ne- by the, the way, dream, just to be said, the they, he is, never has done that. Never did that in the whole series. Is show to re-show a, a scene like it almost seemed like a recap of the last episode, but he never did that. Right. And it was like, well, why did he do it this time? It's and because th- I. And it, was I think like was, it was like a recurring dream where it's yeah. it's slightly different every time, except this time it's actually become more different. And not only is it different, but the characters in the episode have changed. You know. Uh, uh, Dale Cooper, the real Dale Cooper, his attitude, his personality changes uh, considerably halfway through the the last episode when he goes into this alternate reality of... uh, Right. uh, This alternate reality. And at the end of the episode, he says, what year year is this? Because, you know... I don't know. I mean, there's other theories you, where the whole thing could be Laura Palmer's dream, but. It, it, right. And it's interesting to think it's like David Lynch's kind of dream in the sense that. Or it, just, or it could be Kyle McLaughlin's dream or, who, or, or Dale Cooper's dream, but it's basically like whatever the dream. Uh, how, what was I going to say? You know, at first, halfway through the series, and I was thinking, oh, this dream like stuff, I get it. It's all a dream. But then at the end of the series, because I was like, okay, that's the same thing I've seen in a lot of Dave Lynch's stuff. But at the end of the series, I was like, it's pretty interesting to try and think about it though. Nevertheless, even though I I thought, oh, it's cop out to say it's all a dream, but it's not because it's not just, he's he's not just saying, yeah, he's not just saying it's, it was all a dream. Like, like in the episode of Dallas where, you know, Patrick, no, not but Patrick, uh, Duffy, Patrick Duffy's character wait or his wife or fiance wakes up and says and she realizes Patrick Duffy's not dead and it's all a dream and a lot of people thought it was a cop out, uh, but this in this case because the whole series kind of has to deal with a dr- we're not sure it's all a dream it's all a dream for for one and because the whole thing is kind of dreamlike it's interesting he, he's kind of uh uh trying to uh it makes us it think actually just not just about dreams but about our lives in a way you know what i mean it, that's what's interesting about the whole thing it, it's not just saying it's not just a cop out saying oh, it was all a dream it's it's kind of making us think about well if it was a dream then why was like what is what meaning is behind that and what you know how does that relate to all the scenes and things like that i mean that's why it's more interesting you know i don't think it's um Anyway, so there's the whole that interpretation my my personal interpretation that this is David Lynch direct, the director creator his dream. It's also Mark Frost though too. His, his it's it's a combination of both of their dreams really actually. And maybe I mean here's I'm just spitballing here. The episode 8 that big explosion, that could be an explosion of both of their dreams, you know, coming together. Well, okay. I mean, you obviously, know, you can we're think getting about into- things, but you know, using clues at hand here, uh, we were talking about previously that you know they re showed that scene with Dell Cooper, and it's almost like basically, you know, how you have a recurring dream, and usually it means when you're having a recurring dream, you're trying to solve something in that dream, or it's because you have a problem in your personal life and something's going on in the dream that is causing you not to be able to, you're struggling with something for some reason. And basically in this dream, which is Twin Peaks, maybe, this is a theory, the whole point is discover, trying to discover, the, the conflict is trying to find out who Laura killed Laura Palmer. That's like the first problem. But then, you know, I, sometimes then your dream goes on the recurring dream starts to turn into something else. Like, because maybe you haven't completely solved the problem and then the problem becomes, uh, secondary, s- you know? Well, no, then that, then you realize, okay, that wasn't the real problem. Actually, the real problem is, um, uh, not who killed Laura Palmer, but now it's like, okay, there's this other who thing created this, who entity created this entity that, that, that com- inhabited the person that Killed her you right, know? and then so at the end of this series in the Pendulum episode, it seems as though your struggle was done with uh, in in your dream that you you finally killed Bob. Basically, that's and so you basically you conquered and basically somehow maybe in your real life you've you've conquered some problem and you solved it. Except then then it brings this new problem that.
1: You have, to, episode, you have to save
0: Laura Palmer. Actually, that's your that's the real problem you have to deal with. In, in, in the same way that dreams, well, a lot of times Hold they on. never completely finish. Right. Well, in the same way that in your li- in your life, um, you're, you're never going to f- always and maybe you're, it's you're also, always going uh, to have you're obstacles. always going to have problems. You're always going to have you're always going to have obstacles and and perhaps you know Dell Cooper is a manifestation of yourself or maybe it's a manifestation of david lynch actually always uh, yeah, that's why they're kind of very similar Dell cooper and gordon cole are kind of similar characters in a way um i kind of think uh you know or maybe Dell cooper is kind of the you know younger version of what well no oh, oh, it's oh, the, what, kind david of the L- ideal who, ideal who version which would want who to would be david lynch would want to be and and he's trying to you know conquer the problems in his life basically maybe or this is just an a theory you know and and basically I mean it's kind of like um what i i write things to do lists for myself you know th- things i have to do every day um and uh sometimes I think, oh, I've finished my list only to have to add more to that list. Like it, it's never ending. There's always something I have to do on, and I always have to add to this things to-do list. And so in a way, it yeah, it's like that. It's like when you feel like you've won, you haven't completely won. There's always going to be another problem. Presenting There's always going to be an pro- obstacle. And so I, I think um, in David Lynch is presenting this idea that, uh, and uh, this is from an article that I read about it recently, is that evil, good will always be fighting evil, and evil will always prevail, but good will always put up a strong fight, and And it will never quit. Good will never quit. And maybe evil is, you know, a loose term in that maybe evil is just the obstacles in your life. Yeah, actually, it's the obstacles yeah. in your life and evil is not necessarily bad. I mean, um it, yeah, I mean evil I mean I don't know. Uh, obstacles can be good actually. And well, you know, you know I always, Oh, in a way that's that's why Sarah Palmer is actually Judy because she was seemingly a, a good character but she I mean, in this la- in the return, she seems like a Just dark force actually, or inhabited by a dark force. Right. Um, and so maybe, um, in that sense, she's not necessarily bad, but she's the antithesis of, 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 uh, of, of winning or overcoming obstacles, you know, she represents an obstacle. And that's why, like, um, when, when, uh, that guy what's his name? The British guy kills Bob you know uh oh Freddie, Freddie, <laughs> I have something to say that's funny about that in a second, but when Freddie kills Bob, you see a scene later of, of Sarah Palmer going crazy and trying to smash up a picture of the infamous picture of Laura Palmer in her prom dress right and um it's almost as if you know this this Sarah Palmer, who's seemingly inhabited by this dark force named uh, Judy, is like mad that good has prevailed in this moment. So what she does is she ends up setting up another obstacle that Del Cooper has to overcome, and she transports Laura Palmer to another reality. And now Del Cooper has to try to accomplish his goal in that reality. Right. I tell Um, you, I have a recurring dream myself that, but it's always in different permutations. Um, Me too. It's, and Nikki has this dream as well. I know that it's, it's, I'm still in school for some reason and no, 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 in the dream. No, that's what I'm saying. In the dream, I'm still in school. Often high school, often high school, sometimes college though. That's what I'm saying. Different permutations. And, I, for some reason, there's one class, there's one class that I haven't gone to all year for some reason. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to fail this course. I know. I I just haven't been to it at all. And it seems so real when I'm in the dream. I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm going to fail this course. uh, And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't drop the course in the beginning. And I'm like, uh, I'm going to have to retake this next year or something. And I just, up until I wake up, I think I'm, I'm didn't, I'm not going to pass. And it something. worries people like us because we were overachievers, overachievers, and we still are. And we liked to do well in school. I, I don't think that dream would be necessarily true for people who didn't uh, care about how well they did in school. Right. You know? I just, I just was like, uh, yeah, it, it was always so shocking to me. Or it seems so shocking to me in the dream that, I can't believe I didn't do any work or I haven't even gone to this class all year for right. some and, reason. And, and then every time you think about it in the dream, you think, I gotta go to this class and you still end up not going for I some know, reason. I know, right, something. It's, it's a very, it's a... It, I interpret it as a anxiety dream, obviously. Right, um, it's an anxiety dream. And sure. in much the same way, I also have this other recurring dream where my teeth fall out. And people have that dream a lot, you know. That's not just me. I haven't had that um, dream. Where your teeth get loose and they start Although I have out. a dream about a guy that, oh, I did when I was younger about this kid that I, I would see around, it, you know, in kindergarten or something like that. And it, my dream was his teeth were falling out because it looked weird. his teeth looked weird. Really, Less you know. Weird. Um, but but also, I never. I, I, thought about I've also had a, a dream, a and recurring dream. I hope they don't fall out. I've always ha- I've had a recurring dream, and it's Not a only. sad, sad dream. Actually, of uh, different ways that my mother has died or will die. You know. Oh my! And gosh. I, it makes me very sad. I'll wake up like kind of sort of sobbing a little bit. Um, about it, it. B- and and I, I mean, you know, uh, just one more recurring dream I've had, although I haven't had in a while, is it's a girl. There's a girl that I fall in love with, and I can't remember what her face looks like, but in the dream, I know what her face looks like, and it's always the same girl. And every time I wake up, I think I'm going to meet this girl soon, and sadly, it hasn't happened yet. But well, you know. uh, also, just another thing about dreams. Um when you're dreaming you know about characters in your lives, or well what my dream is your dream, uh, not just another notion, okay, but you're never actually dreaming the the way the person actually looks because you're dreaming your memory of that person, you know what I mean you, you your brain can't doesn't you know. Print an exact copy of the way somebody looks, oh, you know what I mean? That's a very interesting point because, because you're, you, that, you perceive somebody differently. That's an and interesting point. That's I'm just pointing that out because I'm gonna get into that. And that's an interesting ahead, yeah. point. Uh, uh, are you saying because of the way Laura Palmer looked, uh, when he's leading her out of the woods? Like she has this weird makeup on her well, face, no, like she it's, doesn't look exactly the way we've always thought she no, would No, it's well it's because they had to put makeup on her. Face, I know because it was they, an older but her they, you know, but Cheryl Lee in, is in older. that sense they made her look a lot weirder actually and it looked scary almost the way she it did look scary. Um but uh But I don't know if that was a I think they were I don't know if that has something to do I think part of it is though, you know, how David Bowie says something differently, you know. Well, I also wanted to say oh, oh well also David Bowie's character looks different. He doesn't he doesn't look like David Bowie anymore. Philip Jeffries is like a teapot kettle kind of thing, right? But that's just you know, complete Ob- different, obviously. Object, you know, I mean, there are reasons obviously that they had to do that, but um, oh, there's one thing I wanted to say about this whole thing that David Lynch it's it all David Lynch's dream, the director is that Monica Belushi he mentions her because and and what supports my argument is that Monica Belushi is an act- actress in real life. she's not a dream character and she's the only real life character reference. actress reference in in Twin Peaks the series. I mean that's so interesting that he would actually dream about this real life character and it's that is signals to me that oh this real life character is telling David Lynch, the director. Um, who, it, it, you know, who is playing the character of Gordon Cole? That oh, this is your dream, you know, um, and you know, thus is telling us that this is his dream. But okay, <laughs> news fest over here. On no, that it's last in, point. it's interesting, actually. It's interesting, but there's also you know, there's also the big interpretation that this this is all Laura Palmer's dream. Um, right. Now, Nikki and her older brother had this idea that she was actually r- raped like uh, Leland Palmer was never inhabited by Bob. He actually in real life raped her and or, uh, her or having or these didn't, dreams didn't just rape her once, but would right, continually, continually and, and, and her having these dreams or this one dream is her way, way of, coping. of coping with it in that. She's trying to make trying to justify a reason why her father would would do such a thing like that, and she she's just she justifies it by uh, dreaming up uh, some evil force that has uh, inhabited her father. father. Because if you in this last uh, couple episodes, um, they re-show a scene from Fire Walk with Me where uh, Cheryl Lee, you know, goes out at night and she goes with. uh, James on her his motorcycle, and they didn't need to show this shot, but they made a point to show the shot of Leland looking out the window, looking very creepy. Out, you know, seeing her leave, mm-hmm. and I, oh God, it's so scary looking. Oh my goodness! Um, just the funny thing is, just you know, it's not a oh horror my film, God. but it's so oh, scary. But I'm it, just realizing things right but, now. But that kind of shows, like, okay, is this part? in her dream or is this part uh, just we see Leland Palmer for who he is actually you know it's just an interesting idea I don't know it's interesting also that um, in this new series of Twin Peaks Sarah Palmer is also inhabited by an evil force because in a way if this was Laura Palmer's dream she's dreaming that her mother was inhabited by an evil force and that justifies her allowing for this to happen in real life allowing leland palmer to rape her in real life because oh, she's maybe. blaming her she blames partially her mother too for allowing this to happen how did maybe and her mother what, didn't know though how do we know that her mother knew that it was happening we don't we don't know that but we right. don't know anything really but what what i what would you ask that that's just so ridiculous Well, no it just it. seems like I don't no, know. That, 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 that that's doesn't make sense. So weird that you would you would ask that. But no. But I I just that that seems like it's more. Uh, no, that Max. It's all interpretive. Is what I'm saying. It's I know, like, but uh, maybe, oh God! Yeah. I just uh, yeah. what are you saying right now? I, I don't know. it Just. There's something more. Uh, no, that that and that connected makes, with the Leland and and no no, thing. no 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 uh, no. What are you talking about? Jeez, it's uh, like I don't know. It's that, just something. Uh, in the what way do you mean? I, there's more. Uh, there's an obvious reason why you know Sarah Palmer is inhabited by seemingly this Judy spirit. Wait, there's a there's a obvious reason. How, how do we know well, it's she's inhabited by Judy? We don't know that. It it seems like oh, that. Well, that yeah. And, sure. And yeah. That's what I'm. Max this is okay. all hearsay obviously god just let me get to my point here uh, okay. god it's like what are you saying it's it's just you, you can't say anything as actual or factual no, in in this in this reality no, it's like I it's just, not actually i mean i know but it just i don't know go ahead anyway she i'm interpreting it this way this is what i'm interpreting okay this is one way to interpret i know interpret- but the way i'm trying to say this is, is what okay wh- within the context of this all all this we know that Leland Palmer was raping her as Bob, right? That that we for sure know that was happening. Okay, right. But and then in her dream, she's justifying. That no, but what I'm she's saying, justifying her mother not. I know, but uh, what I'm saying, she's, she her Max, you're not letting we, me finish. Okay, she's saying we don't. Okay, obviously, we don't know in her actual reality if. Her mother knows or not, but that's what in I'm her dr- s- in her dream she's finding a way to I, blame her I, mother I, too. Do you understand? I understand. Know, that? I understand. Like, no, and not that, to blame her mother to 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 no va- to, to justify p- what her mother was doing. N- no, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying and is in her dream or not in her dream, but par- partially in suppressed within her is a blame put on her mother too for letting this happen or for not realizing that this was happening, you know? And so the, the fact, and that is kind of what Judy is sort of, is this mother is this creation of Bob and was not a creation of Bob. I mean, I'm sorry. uh, I'm sorry. uh, Bob is a creation of mother and mother kind of gave mother who is Judy gave birth to Bob. And so Bob is doing Judy's bidding, basically, and so um in a way, Leland Palmer as bob or Bob as Leland Palmer is doing what sarah palmer or, or what Judy as Sarah palmer uh wants. Him to do. Do you see what I'm saying? No, I and, get what d- you're so saying. What it's, this is you, really actually makes. But you're sense. not you're it, not understanding what I was trying this, to say. This really make what I what, what it, I'm trying I to say it. is. The, I no, know wait, the whole thing is wait, like I'm we're reaching fri- for explanations. All I was trying to say though is, within the context of the images that were shown from Twin Peaks, we know that Leland was raping her as Bob, right? Or at least that's what it seems like, right? But we're, we never know, you know, it just seemed like in that... Max, you, I know this, never is, know this is just pointless what you're saying. Lord, is we never pointless. know that, uh, you know, the mother knew or didn't know anything. You this know what I just, mean? I know there's nothing... That, this is like... You know point, what I'm saying? Point that, that, that's neither here nor there. That's no, like I know, neither but here nor I'm there. I'm just saying, do you understand why I, I thought do get for the, a second I that, get what you're saying, that you but, were kind of... Grasping a further than I know, i you know. I get even though say- we're already doing that, obviously, I get, but I get what you're you saying. You know what I'm saying. I get what you're saying, but it's I think that's neither here nor there. It's like really, I it, know it's neither here nor there, but I'm just saying. Do you understand why? I know, I was but thinking it, that? it's it's neither here nor there. I know, but do you understand? Why I I'm get saying it, you. but it's like I wouldn't think that. You know, it's like at this point in the game, it's it's like why not? Why why would you try to like? You know, uh, I know, rationalize I, something like that. You know, it's like. I, I'm just saying, like, do you understand why I was rationalizing it that way? I do, but it's okay, kind of well, like. There you go. Uh, but do you see faults in you trying to rationalize that? Yes. You know? But I'm just trying to say okay, that there. So but you're there, wrong. No, but there is a little more rationale uh, to m- using the images. Well, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, it, it's very interesting to me, actually, that. You know, even in the original series of Twin Peaks, um, Sarah Palmer, um, she's very weird. She's always very melodramatic and she's always crying. She's always like moaning over her loss. Well, she also has some sort of, uh, um, uh, sort of a, a, like some sort of psychic thing going on with her, even in her dreams from the second episode of Twin Peaks. If I remember correctly, uh, she sees something in her dream, or something like. Remember, right? I can't remember exactly. She can. She it, something portentous, or something but like that. She's, you know, she's very melodramatic, and I, I think that she's melodramatic because, um, well, she's sad that she couldn't prevent, um that she feels like she's blamed. She's blaming herself, too, you know? And if if all the events after Firewalk With Me are Laura Palmer's dream, it's as if... Okay, if uh, Sarah Palmer's blaming herself in the original series, it's like Laura Palmer is placing blame on her in her dream, you know? Um, Maybe. And she I, wants her mother to feel that way. I kind like of, there I was a blame. I don't necessarily think it's... See, the problem I have with it being her dream is there's all these things that, you know, like these iPhones. No, and no, stuff no, 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 like okay, you know, don't, like, I'm going to get to that, okay? Look, I, and I, I have justification for I mean, that. I kind of think maybe the whole thing is, a, a. she's continually dream. she has, it. it's just, uh, it's a, images it's, from all of well, her dreams this up is, to now, it, you a, know? As, as we were talking about that we have recurring dreams, this is a continual right, recurring exactly. dream for her exactly. throughout her life. Right, exactly. Um, and not and not, so Laura Palmer never... So I don't never, think it's just one dream, and though. so necessary. she never really died. I mean, even in Fire Walk With Me, um, or not in Fire Walk With Me, but in the pilot episode of Twin Peaks, um, they're at the funeral and of Laura Palmer, and Bobby says, you know, we all thought she was this, you know, prom queen, whatever, homecoming queen, but nobody really knew her, you know? Nobody really knew the demons she was dealing with. And... It's very true, actually, um, and only do people discover her actual demons in post Fire Walk with Me, Twin Peaks, and so um, it, based on our whole, you know, um, proposition or or hypothesis that this is Laura Palmer's dream. Um, she's dreaming that people start caring about her more. You know, she wants people to care about her life more, you know, um, and know about the troubles that she's going through. And, um, I kind of think it also in, you know, uh, it could be also, you know, the old oldest, by the way, Cheryl Lee is not really in the whole new series except for the last episode, actually. Uh, well, in the the second to last episode too. She's not really in that. Yes, she's she's also in the first episode, too. She's in the lodge. Yeah, I know. She's not really in the series. That's what I'm saying. Until the very last episode. Right. Um and we see this older version of herself, and I kind of think of it as like, you know, basically she's, you know, one in her maybe if it, it is all her dreams, she's like one in her dreams, and she's kind of like somehow forgotten it or something. And then she's brought back to her home, and then she's made to remember it again. And she's like, a- ends up not being having conquered her, you know, the this op- big obstacle in her life. You By know, the way, that's I, plagued her I, forever. I, I just want to say real quick, um, you say something about like, uh, all right, if if it's all her dream, she's dreaming about. If it's one dream, how is she dreaming about things that haven't been invented yet? Well, my justification for that is at the end of the episode, the last episode, Doyle Cooper says, "What year is this? It's almost as if like she's dreaming about things that haven't happened yet, and she's questioning like, "Wait, what year is this like I don't even know i'm not I don't recognize things in in this dream reality, you know, like they don't make sense to me because they haven't existed yet like the way and and I think that's purposeful, like the way." The look is uh after Dale Cooper goes to the motel versus before he 's driving like his car from the nineteen sixties with Diane and they go inside this motel and when they le when he leaves the motel, the facade of the motel has changed, and his car has changed and it's become more like the year two thousand three the way people are dressed and if you look at different clues throughout the whole the, the scenes like Okay, what's your point about that? She's still dreaming about iPhones, though? I mean, it's Yes, just, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, she's not dreaming about iPhones. They never say the word iPhone, but she's dreaming about phones where you can, you know, see things on them, you know? like I know, but that was not a thought back then, you know? I just, I don't know. It's, it, you know, it's a dream, you know? That's what I'm saying. It's like, but... I, I do like the I, mean, I do I'm in more in support now of the idea that it is a recurring dream of Laura wait, Palmer's, hold on. you know. Now I'm trying like to she's think. she's having this recurring dream, you know. You know what it also could be is also, you know, maybe Laura Palmer did die and this is actually all you know, we don't know what happens to us when we're di- dead, you know? And maybe this is like <laughs> like this is all playing out in Laura Palmer's Well, head. yeah, that's Like, as this kind of final thing in her head after she dies or well, something. Well, I don't know. Or it's before well, she it dies. It is interesting I, I because know. the last shot of Fire Walk With Me, she's with Ma- this Ma- Or maybe right before she dies even, maybe, you know? Like, maybe these are all... You know, people talk about how in their near-death experiences or something like that, you know, their life flashes before their eyes, you know, maybe this, is like all all these images or something. Sure, no, yeah, I I get that. Well, Well, who knows? Or maybe it's like, like this idea of this is what happens when you die, you know? that's because the the last shot of Fire Walk With Me is Laura Palmer is with Dale Cooper and some kind of angel-like figure. Almost as if they both have died, you know? Um, you know, and that's, so anyway, Laura Palmer, the idea that she's in a dream and, um you know, it's very weird, you know, I mean, like, her perception of Del Cooper has changed, you know, in her dream too, you know, like, he changes a lot significantly in that last episode and he's become a different Del Cooper. He's not quite as charismatic as he once was. And it's because he's been placed in an, a different reality too. The dream has changed, you know, at the end, you know, it's become a different reality, you know, because it it is a recurring dream and it's not the same as it was before. The The reality is different, somewhat similar. There's twin peaks still exists in her dream, but it's different, you know. Maybe it's also each time she screams, which is very scary, um... Oh, She's actually scary. waking up from her dream. She's waking up from her dream or yeah. a nightmare or whatever. Now, we do hear at the end of the episode, which causes her to scream, is um, we hear Sarah Palmer say, Laura, you know, which is calling back to the opening. Uh, the, sorry, not the opening, but the beginning. In the beginning of the pilot episode, She, Sarah Palmer is calling out to Laura Palmer to wake up because she doesn't know that Laura Palmer has died yet. And she's trying to tell her to wake up for school or something like that. And um, that's what makes her scream at the end of this. And But she screams in very much the same way as she does in the penul- the end of the penultimate episode slash the beginning of the last episode. Right, um, well, maybe it's just that's another dream she's waking up from. You know right. what I mean? Or, or but Then again, maybe if it is one dream... Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I I do no, really the like way, the idea that Judy is this dark force that doesn't Judy doesn't, that doesn't necessarily. I mean, can inflict uh, harm, but chooses not to do it for the most part. But chooses to let uh, her her minion Bob or child Bob do most of the harm for her. I like. I I like thinking of it that way, and in that sense, um, it it makes sense that Sarah Palmer and Leland Palmer are both inhabited by dark forces. That's interesting to me. Well, here's another thought. Um, Oh, by the way, so what do we think of the series as a whole? Um, Just to get, you know, to get on the ball on that. Sure. There's... Quite a few times when you know David Lynch takes his time with some scenes. too long actually. And I like, like when people. T- I like when directors take their time. Right. With I know, scenes. but at this time, it, sometimes it's like there's a guy sweeping in one of the episodes. It takes for sweeping ever just one shot of a guy sweeping a bar floor, literally for like five, five minutes, minutes, and it's like nothing's, nothing's happening. happening. And I get no, the reason for it, a, but it's just like right. There's no band that night, and it's kind of to take up the the place of a song being played by a band. However. Thinking about this dream thing, maybe that's part of the dream. Like sometimes there's some uncomfortably long things you're dealing with in a dream, and maybe he's like purposely making us feel uncomfortable with it, like getting bored or, or something. Or maybe you know? perhaps it's just why you have to kind of think of this whole series as as one big mini-series or one big movie. movie. You have to think about it as a whole, you know? You can't quite think of each episode as being one thing or another. Even though you think of episode eight and you're like, oh, everybody knows what episode eight is, right, you know, if you've right. watched the piece. um, In a way, in a weird way, that sweeping scene is almost like as if, oh, the dream didn't happen this night, you know? Right, right. Like, this is just, you know stay tuned for the next time the dream happens, you know? Right. Or And it's almost like the each musical guest represents another time that this dream is occurring, you know? Or, and, you know, there's sometimes, like, when I'm sick and I'm having a dream, and it's like something's happening and it's not, it's, like, unbearable, but nothing's really happening, but I'm trying to, like, right. get past Conquering. something and, and get past some obstacle that keeps just... D- dwelling on something, yeah, like it, a giant one for me. You know? Or who knows what it is? And it just—if somebody saw the images from my dream, they'd be really bored by it. But it's just like it's such a struggle, and it's just like, oh God, let's get past this. And that's kind of the way I felt about those scenes in a way. Like also, Dougie Jones uh, a doodling he, on his doodling thing. on on this thing. It took forever. It's like, oh my God, let's get it. let's get on with it. You know, um, there's also like the whole thing with Audrey Horn. Um That was interesting, yeah. You know, I think a lot of people at this point have thought that... Another dreams type no, of thing going on. You know? She's, she's, you know, it, it's like what Monica Bellucci says. We are the dreamers inside of a dream or whatever. It, it's like people dream inside this dream. And so, in a way, Audrey Horn is a dreamer inside of this larger dream. She's, she you know, is either just has just woken up out of a coma by the end of her sort of time in the series. Or she's, or, in she's in a, or she's still in a coma. Or she's still in a coma. Or what we probably a, think is she's in a mental institution. She's a mental institution and She's totally after crazy. having been raped by the evil Del Cooper. And having had an evil son, give birth to an evil son. Right. And it kind of makes sense that she's in a mental institution in that the guy that's in her dream or whatever, in her or in her imagination or in her yeah, her imagination's nation or whatever. He seems to be the voice of reason all the time and kind of trying to calm her down, and and she's like being very erratic all the time. And uh, so she, he he seems like oh he's my god prob- wait by the way she's he's sh- probably like her psychiatrist in real life. You wait know? Who I mean, does she refer to all the time that she rather be with Billy? Oh Billy, yeah never mind. Okay, um so. Bill, you know, she's, you know, that's probably her psychiatrist at the mental institution or something like that. Right. Um, but it's interesting. Uh, every, uh, Everybody is kind of a dreamer inside of a big dream, you know? It's, it's, and <coughs> I think the big dream is is David Lynch's dream, really. Right. Actually. Well, and also, here's some other things about aspects of I think pick- there's actually layers to it. It's like, okay, everything is it. David Lynch's dream. And then, the next layer is that it's Laura Palmer's dream, and then the next layer after that is these sub layers. There's there's Gordon Cole's dreams. There's uh, Audie Horne's dreams. You know, there's even you know right. Dale Cooper's stuff. You know, right? Right? Maybe, or maybe it's Dale Cooper is before Laura, maybe, or maybe I don't know. Um Because we were talking about how David Lynch's kind so, of ideal version of him would be maybe Dale Cooper. I uh, do want to, but hold on. Let me just say. Uh, You know, in the series as a whole, there are also, there's moments where it's like, he decides to have this sort of directing style where it's like, it almost looks cheap in a way, like the effects look right, cheap, right. but also just the way the camera angles or zooms are kind of just directed in a weird, cheap way. And it's weird because he is obviously capable of having some, you know, classier looking Right, shots it's like, and, why... And I, I know they didn't have a big budget, from what I understand. I also was listening to an interview of Jennifer Jason Lee on WTF, and she said they didn't have a huge budget for this new Twin Peaks. But with that said, I, it seems like he, you know, based on other shots and things like that, he didn't, you know, take a cheap route. It seemed like they had to be intentional for some of these things. And I just, I'm trying to think, maybe this, you know... Maybe that's just kind of adds to this whole dream thing, you know. Like it has. Sometimes these effects and dreams look cheap, like that. Who yeah. knows? You know. I mean. Anyway, so let's but, get. Down. Just, it was an interesting thing. I, I just I don't know how I, how I feel about it. You All know? right. Well, let's get down to business here. Did you like it overall? Did you? Did you? You know, because um, I i have a friend. I know some people who. Wait, did is, I like the last episode? We have or a couple friends I like the whole series. The whole series. Well, we're talking about the whole series because we Wait, have a couple friends. Are we talking about the whole of Twin Peaks? No, we're talking just about just return. the return because um, I think Twin Peaks the original series is one of my favorite shows. Right. Um, uh, some people like with uh, a couple friends who think that this Twin Peaks the return is one of the best things that has ever been produced on television. Right. Well, um, um, yeah. it's definitely one of the most unique things on. That right. Although, would I say, as a whole, I don't know if I loved it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed in trying a chirp, interp- trying to interpret things. And right. That's I enjoyed- what I enjoyed about Lynch. Is is I, I have fun trying to figure out what he's throwing out at us. You know? Right. Although, the thing is, the but it doesn't always the, succeed. Right. You know, in the original on series, aesthetic basis, on you know? an, in the original series, I was enjoying it while I was watching it too. All and, the time. Right. B- mainly because of the character Dale, Cooper. Dale Cooper. He Whereas really makes thi- that show uh, most enjoyable. Right. He's, Whereas he's a charismatic, oh, sure. confident character, you know. Whereas in this series, while it's fun to interpret it, and some of the episodes are definitely stand out and are good, for sure, I don't know if the whole series, and uh, you know, as a whole... Today, enjoy every aspect of it as much. I'm gotta be honest. On an I aesthetic level, on an aesthetic level, or just on a visceral level too. You know, not necessarily right. I did uh, think it. I mean, it was definitely not, funny. not just an aesthetic. Yeah, just on a like an emotional level. Like today. Just get entertainment out of it, you know. I think it it was funny. It's funny it's at funny times. Funny at times. Really funny. I thought Jim Belushi was really funny. His brother, The, yeah, the Mitchell brothers. I guess. Yeah. Not all of the time. I, guess. I thought. I thought Kyle McLaughlin was really good. I thought he did a great job playing all these characters. Yeah, I did. Um, think, I thought I Naomi think Watts so. is good. Naomi Watts is really. good. She was good at, really I, good. She was great. She was really good. I think um, Laura Dern did. Laura Dern was a good was job. Good job. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee and Tim Roth it, are it, actually it, good. It, yeah, they're really funny. Actually, by the way, Actually, you know it's, what? It's, it's, I was it's listening really to interesting that that J. Lynch likes this juxtaposition of really good actors with really bad actors. Like the woman who played Tammy, who was the FBI agent, she was so bad. She's she a so terrible actress. I just I'm wondering and, if, if he was, asked her to be bad. Well, in But it, there were there were other more, there were other actors in the show who were kind of sort of bad though. Like right? Who? Like, um, the. The woman, the wife of Matthew Lillard, who kind of gets killed by the evil dog Cooper, she's sort of kind of a bad, bad in a was way. Was she? I don't think she. Like I, I that, think right? so. I yeah, she's kind of weird, you know. Or, or even like in the last episode when you know, um, the the woman that opens the what was should have been Sarah Palmer's house. Um,
1: well uh, that woman
0: outfit or whatever I like don't think it. she was a bad actress I just think she was weird Well she actually. was not a non-actress she, she was actually a non-actress she she's was the, she actual the, owner she uh, the owner of the house the uh, actual owner of the house also it's an interesting weird thing when she's like trying to talk to Maybe her husband about who owned the house before or Judy. She's talking to Judy. And it just seemed very. It was it eerie. eerie. It was scary. It was eerie and also like kind of funny, funny at yeah. the same time. Yeah. It's an interesting uh, amalgamation of emotions you get from that. But actually. I will say, probably my favorite episode of the series was when Del Cooper or Doggy Jones um, is having dinner with the Mitchum brothers at the casino and um, oh, by the way, they're they're their sort of uh, sidekick or whatever you call her, uh, Candy. She's a she's very funny, funny, great actress. Great actress, yeah, she's um, very funny. My favorite episode is probably that episode where he, yeah, at the end he has cherry pie for the first time. Um, because There's it, no band on that episode, by the way. The, but there's music. There's a piano player, actually, at, at the end of it. I know, um, but they usually go to but the, 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 music, the bar. The music you know. is really good, written by Angelo Battlementi. That music that's playing when he finally eats the cherry pie—it becomes happier, and I really enjoy the music. And it—it it really, that scene was aesthetically aesthetically pleasing for me on an emotional level. You know, it wasn't—it wasn't just um, interesting or you know thought provoking. It was just fun to watch. You know, I liked that. I know, but you—it's not just aesthetics too. It's also just. Uh, engaging as well, you know? I mean... Uh, oh, yeah, Mrs. Tremond and Mrs. Okay. Calfont. Those are right. the names. So uh, what else did I think about this series? Yeah, um, I, I like that. It was, I thought it was cool that he had a band on it almost at the end of every episode almost. My, it was sister, a cool idea. my sister argues, though, that these bands didn't necessarily belong in the Twin Peaks world, but rather that David Lynch was trying to seem cool by appealing to a hipster sort of demographic. Not necessarily, I just <coughs> I mean, I don't know. I I think like um 9-inch nails that kind of Actually, fit his aesthetic though. No, some of them seem like they fit his aesthetic, and I think it's kind of cool that he's like bringing these bands into like a nat- nat- you know, national spotlight. Um although some I'm you know, I'm not crazy about maybe a couple of them, but Um, you know, I thought that was kind of a cool and I think they do fit as aesthetic and a lot of them are very ethereal, you know, and that's a very, I mean, it's interesting she, he brings back Julie Cruz at the end. Uh, Oh, a lot of people liked that. Uh, Julie Cruz, she sang the, the version of the Twin Peaks theme that has lyrics, basically, they released that. Um, and she's also in the original series she actually sings at the roadhouse or or sorry in firewalk with me oh does she sing that yeah, song yeah, actually um i don't know if she sings that song but um uh, anyway wait hold on there's some there's some more stuff to say here um well okay we gotta wrap this up okay uh, i just want to say uh yeah so in all i guess you know Again, you do have to view it, though, at the same time as a whole. you know what I mean? Like, the, the same way I, I thought about Lost in Translation. I mean, like, there's some parts that are kind of like, okay, it's getting a little boring at times, but then the ending kind of wraps it up neat in a certain way that that's, makes me like the whole movie that, actually you know what i that's mean that's how i feel about the purple rose of cairo well, i haven't seen that i want to see it please don't ruin anything I'm why'd not, you say that what oh i just don't want any opinions on that until i've seen it uh, um but you know but uh, it's it and it's interesting it, it does i think it will make people those detractors of of Fire Walk With Me, those people who criticized it when it first came out, I think this uh, new series might redeem that movie for them as if they look at Fire Walk With Me as a part of this larger whole of the Twin Peaks world. You know? Right. Actually, you know, it's already been redeeming itself over the years anyway. People have kind of realized that it's not as bad as the critics made it out to be when it came out. Um when I saw it first, I actually didn't think much of it either, actually. I thought it was... I, I, I didn't think I, it was I that good it, either. I, 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 I was... didn't think... I didn't think it was... I thought it was kind of pointless. Uh, I didn't know. But I now, didn't, I might You would differently, not That's Max talking. That's yeah, Max that's talking. That's Max talking. Nikki yeah. disagrees. Nikki thinks... I. Nikki enjoyed the movie and, and, well, I don't know, enjoyed is weird because I thought it was really scary. So I thought it was effective. Right. As but sort you of a saw- sla- I thought it was effective as a slasher kind of thriller movie, you know? But uh, Nikki that was watched, scary. Nikki watched the movie before he watched and, the series. and afterward, though. I know, but Max watched the series first and then saw the movie afterwards. And the problem I have with the movie is just that, okay, well, actually, first of all, um... Well, didn't? Uh, oh, come on! We oh, like well, we don't want to hear your problem about the movie. No, I no, mean, it's just some of the character. Like for instance, it just seems weird that what's her face Laura Flynn Boyle is not in it. You know what I mean? Well, they use another actress. It just she didn't want to be seem, a part of it. Didn't seem quite right. You no, know what I mean? it, but it 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 may have not seemed right at that point. But in this larger context of dreams, dreams sure it does. You know sure, the appearances of people change. Sure, I know, but. That's just, that's trying to suture it yourself, you know what I mean? I I think it's the real reason, uh, the real reason she just didn't want to be a part of it, you know? Didn't you say some reason why Kyle McLaughlin wasn't part of it or something like that? Well, I guess apparently he just didn't want to do it, and so that's why he wasn't in the movie as much. Why would he want to do it? I'm not quite sure, to be honest. Um... Apparently, around that time, Mark Frost and David Lynch had a falling out, or something. Right? Because like I think Mark Frost wanted to do a sequel to the series, and David Lynch wanted to do a prequel. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Imagine having a falling out over that! Isn't but that ridiculous? I will say, I actually think it's cool that there's a prequel um, in larger context of things. And um, so, do you, did I enjoy this series? The final word here is. Oh, oh by the way, did, did, yeah, final word is, did I enjoy the series? I guess I enjoyed picking it apart. And so in that sense, I did enjoy the series. Um This is not to say I didn't have problems with it, um, but I definitely thought it was funny at times, and I thought it was very scary at times, especially Sarah Palmer, uh, Grace Zabriskie. She was the actress. She was very scary and very, um you know, she did a great job in her role, just... So, definitely scary moments, some long, drawn-out moments that were, frankly, boring. Um, But maybe necessary. But maybe necessary. Not necessary, but But maybe a part of the whole thing. The last few episodes, I was not bored at all. And, in fact, when Dale Cooper finally came back, the real Dale Cooper, that was a great moment. You know, it was was a happy, joyous occasion. It was finally like, oh, yes, he's back. You know, I loved that, actually. And they used the old... Twin Peaks music again and that was good and um, so, so yeah I mean you know it, I didn't get bored at all in the last few episodes and that was cool um, so yeah Twin Peaks n- it's, a, it's a thought-provoking world you know and I like talking about it that's Nikki's final word my final word is maybe around the same thing I think yeah I think I, I enjoyed picking apart it's like I said you know you kind of have to think of the whole thing as a, as a whole you know you can't just say I like certain episodes because, really, they all are interconnected, you know. Um, and you really have to think. I remember having this conversation with our friend an Anthony before, you know, the last few episodes. We were in Los Angeles talking about it with him, and he's like, "Yes, I know there's some boring parts, but I think we have to judge it at the end, because we. I think it's going to be kind of the thing. He he did call it. You kind of have to think about it." Once it's done, you know, and I think he's right. Even after the boring parts, they kind of all fit into this whole grander, uh, you know, idea of the whole thing. And Mm -hmm. um, so in that sense, I, I, I liked it. Yeah. Is it my favorite series of all time? No, I don't think it's the. So, uh, I mean, I guess I enjoyed, I enjoyed picking apart it picking apart because ultimately what do i enjoy the most is when everything about something is entertaining to me right. and also thought-provoking and that's, that's what i enjoyed about the first series actually. and that's actually what i enjoy about a show like game of thrones for the most part not not necessarily the latest season but right i mean um, like a series it's hard to make a whole series great i mean but, there's but been a i decent. will say like you know a MASH is one of my favorite TV series but, of all time uh, uh, but a series but like there's Max, for a sure, series like Game it. of Thrones though yeah like, you're right we've really like enjoyed analyzing it and picking it apart because right. it it has been at least seasons one through six um very well written and construct well well constructed right right and where right. you it, yeah but it's also aesthetically it, I mean it's on a superficial level it's enjoyable you know just watching it without well, having to pick engaging. it it's engaging no, but it's not just yeah. It's yeah. It's engaging. It's never really boring. You uh, know? A- aesthetically is actually cool too. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's beautifully shot. Okay, but um, anyway, we're not talking about Game of Thrones right now. We're talking about Twin Peaks, and, right? Um, so Twin Peaks, an interesting world. Twin Peaks, the return. See, and that's such an interesting thing to actually even judge. This new series, Twin Peaks: of The Return, because I think of it as all part of the whole world of Twin Peaks. Oh, you know, know what I mean? what's interesting also is that it's called Twin Peaks: of The Return. Well, I don't know if he called it Twin Peaks: of The Return, but if you think of it, it is like the return, like this dream came back to you, you know, in a way. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Anyway, that's the final word. Twin Peaks, love it or leave it. It's inter- thought provoking, nevertheless. Provoking, nevertheless. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Splitting Hairs with Max and Nikki. Tune in next time.